BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, August the 29th, 2021. And today in the program, we have ratings to talk about. We have... AEW Dynamite doing a pretty big rating. AEW Rampage this past two Fridays ago did a pretty big rating. Uh, Becky Lynch thinks she did a pretty big rating. Roman Reigns thinks he's a legitimate needle mover. Everybody thinks they're a needle mover. Uh, We've got cruises to talk about. We've got tennis to talk about. Uh, Reddit, Squared Circle Reddit, had their census. We'll talk about it. All that and more today on the program. But first. Joining us from my immediate south is everyone's favorite ring announcer and independent wrestling historian, Chris Gullo, who has just experienced some... 50 minutes of audio testing, and now the audio sounds optimal, maybe suboptimal, but here we are. Welcome to the program. Good to be here. I got my Lanny Poffo t-shirt that came from Pro Wrestling Great. Very uh, odd t-shirt to come in there, but... Are, are, have, you've met Lanny Poffo, certainly, right? I have. Yes, I yes, have. Yes. I've worked a few shows with Lanny. We've worked side by side with Lanny Poffo. I uh, I remember uh, at, on one show I was on with him, we were watching the monitor of the match that was happening on the show in the ring, and I was doing stupid commentary for what was happening in the ring, and and I was told after the fact that I was being frowned upon by Lanny Poffo for my behavior. How dare you! 
Not like he's said anything unprofessional on commentary in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Lanny Poffo has been a a, a, a a commentator in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So who are we? Who are we to uh, to question the genius? Um, what's new with Chris Gallo? Anything? Uh, it was an off weekend as far as uh, wrestling related. I actually did a comedy open mic the first time in a long time in a while oh. on Friday night at a really cool place in downtown Buffalo. It's a cider place. It was pretty cool. So, downtown Buffalo. Where? Where in downtown Buffalo? Yes. Uh, Main Street, where there's like just all these businesses now. Really, the theater district. Yeah. I guess you could say that. Yeah, it was uh, right next to uh, a restaurant that's pretty popular in Buffalo because they have a pink staircase. And there was like a oh. hatchet throwing place. I've seen this place on Instagram. Never been to it, but I've seen that's it on Instagram. Yeah, cigar shop across the street. Like, okay. Uh, I had. LASIK surgery on Friday, and now I'm sitting here. You can see me on video, and yeah. I'm not wearing glasses. I'm not wearing contact lenses. I was never, never a big fan of the contact lenses, which I wore in every wrestling match I ever had. Um, they always felt you wear contact sometimes, right? Yeah, I wear them for performances pretty much. They always felt kind of like they were sticking to my upper eyelids. They always felt kind uh-huh. of dry, and maybe I just didn't have the right kind but anyway, now I've spent over $3,500 to have my eyes zapped with a laser. And um, you've considered LASIK was, surgery? Yeah, I was actually going to ask you off camera, and I forgot during the 50 minutes of testing. No, no, no. This is the, uh, this is of, the good content right here. Of how, of how much you actually paid for that, because my wife's no, like, ask him. You know, see, I'll see how much uh, he paid, and maybe we'll get it for you. Yeah. It's, it's see, a perfect... That's what I spent. Yeah, it's it's a per eye thing too. There's there was different options. You could have gone cheaper, but the, but it's like a more the PRK, uh, which is not the People's Republic of Korea. It's it stands for something else. Uh, it's it's more painful or something like that. Recovery time is more. Um, I did the all laser LASIK surgery, which was a little more expensive, maybe by like a thousand dollars. Don't worry, this is not where your Patreon money is going. I do have a day job. Um, your your, pa- <laughs> your Patreon money is going to Chris Gullo. It is going to Jason Unpresser, and it is going into buying things like a PC that I still cannot make work. More on that later. Um, but no, my so my mom worked in in the Veterans Administration Eye Clinic, the VA hospital, for her whole career. So she's um, you know an eye expert, and uh, she she was in the room watching like on the monitors. She has video of them <laughs> doing something to my eyes that she will not send me right now, but later. Um, it was not a pleasant experience. I will say that it's tolerable. I'm, I'm, I'm confident this is going to be worth it. I mean, it's already great. Um, but they, there's like t- two major steps to this that they have to do to one eye and then to the other eye. And then they move you over to the laser and then they zap you with the laser. The first thing they do though, is like they, sh- they suction, they suction to my eyeball or something to create these bubbles. I'm not really sure. They explained it all to me beforehand. And as it was happening, but I don't totally understand. I'm sure somebody who knows what they're talking about uh, could explain it far better. But they suctioned my, something onto my eyeball. And I was I, the first time they tried to do it, I was being a little bit uncooperative, I guess, because I was like bracing. And my, my chin was, was like going down instead of being relaxed. So they had to do it twice. So now I have a little bit of an abrasion. And you probably can't even tell on, on this camera because we're pretty small right now. But I do have a little bit of a red spot on, on the white of my eye, on the upper I shouldn't even be doing this, doing, touching my eye like this, but, um, 
So I, I, it's a little bit red above my iris and to the side, but that'll probably go away within a week or two. Um, but I'm already doing well. Uh, so when I got home, I went home, um, and I was, it was not pleasant that, that night. I got it done at like two in the afternoon and I was very sensitive and irritated. My eyes were very irritated. I just spent, spent the day in, in bed in a dark room. I could not read. I could instantly though see far pretty well. I'm really nearsighted. I'm somebody like if I took my glasses off, I would not be able to read uh, something written on a piece of paper like a foot away from me. Super near. Same, same for me too. I'm like yeah. a neg. I was like a negative four and a half. If people know what that means. Um, yeah, I'm but- negative five. <laughs> oh wow, you're worse than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're really blind if we don't have yes. corrective lenses. But already, I was a- as like, as soon as I was done with the surgery, blurry, but way different than it was before surgery with no glasses. Next day it was better, and now I'm on whole day number two, and I can basically everything's kind of normal right now. I cu- I wasn't able to really do anything. I I blew up the font size on my computer and on my phone. I was able to do, do a little bit of work yesterday, and I was able to prepare for this podcast today. Fortunately, and now the, this this morning, Sunday morning, after having it done on Friday afternoon, I'm living like a new life. It's it's, it's pretty good. Every everybody uh. I did make a note about it on Twitter and everybody had some, some nice, nice comments for me and a lot of people who shared their experiences about how they had LASIK surgery and they were very positive about it. So yeah, they did, they did though make me, you know, sign all these releases, including I had to rewrite the phrase. I under something to the effect of, I understand this might make my eyesight even worse than it was before. They made me handwrite that on the, on the, the, the release form, which I, which was a little bit ominous to do right before. They were about to like cut my eye, but nothing was painful as it happened. It was uncomfortable. And then, then they put me under the laser and there was like this, this incredible red and green light show, but it was very quick and not painful. It was sort of an uncomfortable day and a half, but I'm doing all right. They gave me a bunch of eye drops to take, of course. But yeah, it's, uh, so far it's, it's pretty good. Um, and I, and I think I'm gonna, be more productive. It's just, it's, it's, I've always found it and been suspicious that I'm kind of lazy in the morning because I just can't see anything and everything's blurry. And I've always suspected that, well, if I, if I could just open my eyes in the morning and see everything sharp and clear, I might be a little bit, a little more productive to get up and get out of bed and get going. So, I mean, I, did you, uh, you don't mind me asking, yeah. Ficta or Atwell or neither? Yes. I have, they gave me a shirt. Ficta gave me a shirt. Yes. Ficta, okay. Ficta, Ficta's retired. But his partners now do Victor Endel Eye Associates. Yeah. yeah, that's that's them. Yeah, they should be okay. they should be sponsoring us now. I'll have to send them an invoice to see if they'll pay us. That's all. Uh, I've got a PC here, the Russellonic supercomputer. It is all here thanks to our patrons who are supporting us every month at Patreon.com/slash Russellonics. I have a PC. It is right here to my left on a little table. It is all assembled, but I cannot figure out how to turn it on. I'm I must be doing something wrong. So it's a a project that will continue to be worked on and hopefully I'll have this supercomputer up and running soon. Uh, but it's got like 16 gigs of Ram. It's got a good processor consolidated GPU, but I can't figure out what I'm doing wrong. I don't know what I'm doing with, with PC builds, but, uh, I've tried re re reseeding all the connections that I think would be relevant, but I hit the power button. Nothing happens. So hopefully I'll figure it out soon. All right. 
we want to get into the week that it was in the wrestling business. Sure. Why not? All right, we'll start with this. Uh, I guess you could say it's an article, but it reads a lot like a press release. Uh, WWE delivers the most viewed and highest It is a press release. It is a press release. Okay. Uh, WWE delivers most viewed and highest grossing SummerSlam of all time. <laughs> the annual event uh, set records for local, I'm sorry, for live global viewership, gate receipts, indoor attendance, merchandise sales, sponsorships, and social engagement. Uh, and from the Stanford Connecticut Business Wire, following a weekend of record-setting metrics, the WWE delivered the most viewed and highest-grossing SummerSlam in the company's history. The, the press release, this press release, features multimedia, and uh, they actually have where you can view the full release. But here's the highlights. More people watch Saturday's event live across Peacock and the WWE Network than any other SummerSlam in company history. The seven-figure global audience marked a 55% increase over 2020 and a 29% increase over 2019. The sellout crowd of 51,326 broke SummerSlam records for indoor attendance and gate receipts with tickets purchased by fans from all 50 U.S. states. Saturday's live gate was more than four times greater than the last SummerSlam held with fans in attendance in 2019. Merchandise sales posted an increase of 155% over 2019. SummerSlam set a new sponsorship record, growing by 25% versus 2019 and 18% versus 2020. And with more than 4 million views, Brock Lesnar's return became WWE's most watched Instagram video of all time, surpassing the video of John Cena's return at Money in the Bank. In total, SummerSlam videos generated more than 1 billion views across all WWE social platforms during the week. Okay. Let's try to put these bullet points. There's how many of them? One, two, three, four, five bullet points here. I'll try to put these in some sort of context. Um, the most watched uh, SummerSlam in the company's history, which makes some sense, right? Uh, so what, what we get, gather from this, too, is the cynicism that the WWE Network is now being viewed less uh, because they moved from the standalone W network in the U.S. to Peacock is not the case. Uh, as we know, the standalone W network had about 1.2 million subscribers. In March this year, they, the, the, the standalone W network in the U.S. shut down, and now everybody's been encouraged to sign up for Peacock. There was no automatic tr- transition, but you just were, you know, encouraged and marketed to. Uh, nonetheless, there's more people watching SummerSlam. Uh, than ever. I mean, I, I don't doubt the, the veracity of this. Um, they would be in some trouble if, if, if this part weren't true. We'll talk about attendance in a moment, though. Uh, but it, it makes some sense in that, you know, it's a, you can subscribe to Peacock for $4.99, not $9.99, like the network was, or you can subscribe to it for $9.99 and have fewer commercials through the entire thing. And then you've probably got some people who have just, you know, they happen to have Peacock and wouldn't necessarily be a W Network subscriber. So, there's some truth to the hype that this reach, you know, this enhanced reach of the of Peacock over WWE's own direct consumer network is paying off, is is, is producing some results. Um, that said, there's there's some interesting uh, f- uh, fact to get out of this, in that where it says the seven figure global audience, so that just means it was somewhere in excess of a million viewers, uh, 
And who knows if that means average throughout or just checked out at least, you know, 10 seconds of it. But anyway, marked a 55% increase over last year, which was on the W Network standalone, and a 29% increase over 2019, which means that 2020 was down from 2019. 2020 is a COVID year. What was even on SummerSlam in 2020? Uh, That's a good question. Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt, right? With Roman Reigns running in at the end, finally returning. Yeah, okay, yep, yeah. But anyway, you got John Cena and Roman Reigns here. Bigger match. Uh, John Cena had not wrestled since uh, the, uh, the the WrestleMania at the Performance Center. So it had been over a year since John Cena wrestled in WWE. And uh, so I think that, that means something. And, and I think it... Uh, what was on the 2019 uh, SummerSlam, but it was at least in front of a live audience. And uh, it certainly doesn't dispute the notion that from 2019 to 2020, there was less interest in WWE, whether that's, whether you want to discount that because of COVID or not, this somewhat, this is just one, I guess, two data points without true values here, but with relative values in terms of a percent, but, but maybe there was some decreased interest. And I think we saw that too when uh, Nikon, disclosed a similar comparison using percentage changes over from year to year when he uh, discussed the Money in the Bank difference in viewership, which it was up in this year, 2021 as well, Money in the Bank viewership was because, uh, you know, now they're on Peacock. And apparently that, that really does result in more people watching these W Network, uh, or sorry, these pay-per-views. A sold-out crowd of 51,326. Um in the last couple of days before SummerSlam, and there could have been some sales. I'm sure there were some sales on the last couple of days, but uh, Nick Khan said in print and variety and to Ariel Hawani for BT Sport that, that the paid uh, ticket sales were about 40 or were over 45,000. Sounds pretty close to what WrestleTix found in, in their analysis of Ticketmaster. 45,000 is the paid. Sure, this and that organization, everybody exaggerates their attendance. People get cantankerous about it though when it comes to wrestling because wrestling's work and this is the only objective measurement that we have of success we can't look up uh how, how many touchdown passes roman reigns has thrown we can look up though the attendance or at least we can uh look at what wrestle ticks for example reports what the attendance or what the tickets distributed count is and uh when we see a number that doesn't reflect uh what was possible based on the ticket map uh it's worth talking there's that. Merchandise sales increased 155%. Uh, so that, that's, there's no headwind or tailwind there except for the, the, the pent up demand of fans, perhaps, uh, more excited to, to be live at an event and spent one and a half times what they did last year. Uh, now, wait a minute, actually. This is probably not venue merch per capita, right? This is a, an audience of 45,000 people. Compared to 2019, when I, I don't know where it was, but I'm, I'm assuming it was in a basketball arena. So we've got probably well over two times the audience. So maybe that's what's happening there. So it's, it's not clear if this is a venue merch per capita number or if this is a revenue comparison, if you see what I'm saying there. Um, um, it was in Toronto, just so you know. Scotiabank, uh, Scotiabank Arena in Toronto and Rollins versus Lesnar was like the highlight of that. Also Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler, uh, which I totally forgot was a thing. <laughs> and uh, Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon and a few other highlights. Mm. 
the best in the world, Shane McMahon. Um, so it's, it's possible that the vending merch per capita was down from that event, but the rev- revenue was up just by sheer volume of customers that may have made a purchase. But anyway, or, or, or vending merch per capita was up, but we don't know based on this short sentence. Um, SummerSlam sets a new sponsorship rev- uh, record growing by 25% versus 2019 and 18% versus 2020. And, uh, I think that's, uh, W's business brand, which is pretty good and, and going in the right direction. W's business brand is becoming more advertiser and business partner friendly. Even while W is not a great consumer brand, in my view, it is, you know, it is becoming a stronger business brand. And that's, that bears out here in, in the, in the ad revenue, the sponsorship revenue that they were able to get here. It probably helps too, that you've got a bigger audience. You're on Peacock now and you can tell these potential advertisers that, you know, it's not just, we've got a track record now. We can look back at money in the bank that we had earlier this year and see how much viewership was up versus when we were on the standalone network. Now we're on Peacock and the reach is bigger. The audience is bigger and it probably helps your ability to sell advertising. Um, even though advertising is probably sold so far in advance. I'm not sure how, how this is all working out in streaming, but, um, yeah, uh, a, a genuine positive for WWE. Uh, video views, who knows what context to put that in. It's, it's on, it's in front of such a tailwind social media viewing is. Um, so it's hard to get an idea of what, what, what a true index would be and what true, uh, great numbers are. But, uh, they did a bunch of billion v- video views and who knows how many of them were even monetized. Maybe some of them, sure, well, some of them were through YouTube, certainly. Uh, maybe some others on, on other platforms were, but hard to say all right and uh speaking of these records uh we had a tweet a quote tweet from roman reigns on that saying legitimate needle moving and that's a retaliation to people saying that cm punk moved the needle great you think that's retaliation they're focused on themselves they're like nick, nick Khan told me in his interview with ariel they're like a horse with blinders on they're they're not you know, you know why they put the blinders? They don't look this way or that. No, they look, they're looking straight ahead. They're in a race and they're not paying attention to what anybody else is doing. They don't want to get distracted. So I, you, I don't know what he's, maybe he's talking about something else. Maybe he's talking, well, he's, I don't know who he would be talking about because their, their competition is sleep. Maybe he's talking about sleep. Yeah. Okay. Sleep doesn't move the needle. Right. But anyway, other things that might move the needle, we could talk about the ratings. Yeah, we'll get to the ratings. Uh, we'll start with the August 20th SmackDown that did a little over 2.1 million with a 0. 0.57 in the 18 to 49. And that is a little increase for P2, but uh, a little down in the 18 to 49 was 0.58 on August 13th. Uh, let's, let's, let's jump and talk about Friday's SmackDown too while we're at it. Yes. Yeah, we'll jump there. Let's see. I know you had the overnight. Oh, it's, a, it's the very next slide. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So uh, what it's looking to be is 2.87 million viewers. No, it's not. We'll it's a problem. It's a lower it's rating. Not. Yes. Because so, of the football. Yes. Be, there, were, there were 24 markets. I was told as many as maybe 27. Uh, so you can see 24, though, on, on 506 Sports, which shows all the different affiliates that are broadcasting NFL games in the preseason. Um, 24 markets. Uh preempted SmackDown in, on Fox to broadcast various NFL preseason games. Uh, the fast affiliates indicate that Fox had an average of 2.87, almost 2.9 million viewers watching from 8 to 10. That would be a monster rating for SmackDown. 
I expect the number to be lower. It, it, it's possible that this number is, is higher than normal, um, for, for SmackDown. We've got Becky Lynch, uh, thinking that she did draw a big rating, unless she's got access to some data that, that Nielsen doesn't have access to, uh, or, or maybe she paid for the Fast National, uh, some, but, uh, I don't think so. Um, this number is going to be lower than 2.9 million, uh, but it might be up from, from what it was, uh, because, we might as well talk about now, and then we'll—I guess—we'll jump back to Rampage. But t- tell me about the Raw rating, Gallo. All right. Well, uh, this past Raw on Monday, August twenty-third, uh, two million sixty-seven of viewers in a P two plus with a point six four in the eighteen to forty-nine. That is a huge increase from two million one point eight six the week before in P two and a point five five in eighteen to forty-nine. When's the last time that WWE Raw did two million viewers? Um, I would assume it was uh, probably pre-pandemic. No, not that far. Post-WrestleMania. No, okay. Post-WrestleMania is the last okay. time uh, WWE Raw did 2 million viewers. Uh, this was the highest total viewership, I believe. I'll have to look it up. But this was the highest, I believe it's the highest total viewership since January 4th, which is the Legends Night, and the highest 18 to 49 since the post-WrestleMania episode. So this was... The second highest rating of 2021, uh, and the second would be probably the third highest, 1849. Anyway, I'll 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 have it in a moment. Um, as as we as we pause for dead air here, this is going to take too long. Go go ahead and go on to the next thing. Okay, uh, we can go uh, th- through the ratings here. We can actually talk about the uh, official rampage rating for Friday, August 20th, 1.129. Million, which you covered in a uh, live YouTube uh, uh, video on Monday night. Uh, 0.53 in the 18 and 49. You compare that to the first ever Rampage at the 740,000 and a 0.31 in the 18 to 49. Not sure if you want to talk about it right now. Um, with it being a tape show uh, and obviously not as anticipated as last week, how big of a decrease do you see coming out on Monday when we get those final ratings? A lot. Um it's a good question. I think they stay at like 700,000. Well, I mean, they go to 700,000, but I think they won't go much lower than the debut. It's so hard to say because Dynamite did, did its second biggest rating ever in 1849. Did its third biggest ever in total viewership this past Wednesday. So Dynamite, and it did have CM Punk. This show did not have CM Punk. Not on the air anyway. Um, and I think the baseline for Rampage, at least without CM Punk on it, is, is something like the high 500,000s. And about half of that in the demo. Um, hey, I could see this doing as low as in the 600,000s. But as I keep saying, I, I've, I've shot low on all these AEW ratings so far. Everything from, from the debut of Rampage, CM Punk debut at, at Rampage, and and this Dynamite number uh, was above my expectations too. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm sure whatever the case for whatever it's worth, we don't need to talk all, all you know about, about Twitter every episode here, but. I'm sure there will be hysteria among some Twitter users on Monday when the final rating is reported, and and the SmackDown rating is, is somewhere below 2.9 million, and uh, SmackDown rating could even be lower than kind of normal, or could be disappointing because there were so many markets where it was preempted, and I don't know if SmackDown was re-aired later in the night. If it was, it'll all be aggregated together and it'll all be sorted out by by Nielsen in the final rating. Um, but I'm not sure if there were a lot of markets and how big these markets were. 
I, I actually, I think our, our friend Corey put together, uh, put together an estimate of, of the market sizes of these markets that were preempted, at least the 24 that we know of. And it's something like, it took out something like 9% of the Nielsen homes of the, of the, the, the cable home. Well, it's not cable. It's just Fox. So say there's 119 million homes. Almost all of them have access to Fox, uh, with the 19 million, 119 million homes with the TV in them. Almost all of them are considered covered by Fox. Wipe out 9% of them. Um, that sort of puts what SmackDown at a, at a 9% headwind, give or take, depending on how many of those markets actually re-aired it. And even those in which it did re-air, still in a, at a disadvantage in those markets. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, if not for these preemptions, I would think SmackDown would do, to, do a pretty high number when you look at what Raw did and consider the fact that the returning stars at SummerSlam were not Raw stars. They were, they were going to SmackDown in the, in the case of Becky Lynch and, and Brock Lesnar. Uh, so there's that. Uh, next. All right. Uh, moving on to NXT, who it looks like they'll be getting a new logo. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> I did. Um, but uh, they did 685000 in the P2 Plus with the point sixteen in 1849. Pretty much identical to August 17th. 650000 P2 and 0.15. So a little bit of a decrease, but that's where they're living right now. Yeah, pretty normal number for NXT. Not not that remarkable. Uh, nothing nothing disinterests me more than, than people getting upset about logos and belt designs. Everyone's a graphic design expert you know um we'll uh, we'll get back to dynamite in a minute but uh, want me to get the impact rating since we got some breakdown for dynamite sure uh yeah i'll get the impact rating there Ninety-eight thousand, which is a 0.03 which is a, a very low rating was it their lowest this year right it was the lowest since july 1st not the lowest okay. this year uh oh yeah that was the the, the programming debacle uh, and then uh, right. 130,000 in the P2 plus, and then a 0.04 in the 18 to 49. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, real quick too, I'll I'll touch on this. You reported this week the rating for the second episode of Heels, which yes. was watched by a hundred and three uh, thousand people, which was down about 19 percent from the 128,000. Yes. Um, 18 to 49, uh, 14,000 viewers down from 23,000. Yes. I did not even prepare that. That's that. That's Chris Gullo, a a a wrestling a WrestleNomics patron who knows that that information off the top of his head. I've been watching. Uh, I've been watching heels and. Uh, yeah. Have you watched it yet, Brandon? I, I have not. Should I? Uh, you should because it's it, it it's just it's interesting. Um, this rival promotion that's trying to take the territory is a. Have like they called the commission promotion. on each other yet? <laughs> no, because uh, they have not. <laughs> But uh, the no commission in George anyway. on their commercials, it's all TNA footage of like Abyss and Judas Macias and like all this like relic I think is on it, which is killer spelled backwards. <laughs> like all these like TNA things from like 2010. Interesting. And they have no, the, like, oh wait, and there's no partnership there with Anthem, right? They maybe they just licensed that. I don't know because Stars is kind of in, in its own world. I believe TNA stuff pops up on TV shows quite a bit. There was something recently too, where they were watching, like it was like an abyss Jeff Jarrett match or something. Mm. It's probably not expensive to license. Yeah. Relative to other things. Yeah. Dynamite. But 
But yeah, let's go with Dynamite. 1.172 in the P2 Plus with a .48 in the 1849. Uh, quite up from 980,000 to P2 Plus and a .35 in 1849 from August 18th. So a huge rating for Dynamite with the Dynamite debut of CM Punk. Yeah. This was over my expectations slightly. I, I figured a million, uh, some, some, somewhere between 1.0 and 1.1 million. Uh, is is pretty good, and uh, this eighteen to forty nine rating, which is is stressed over and over again, is is all they care about. This was the second highest ever, and it was only behind the debut episode, which the the debut episode did, did this monster demo rating that I don't know will ever be reached by by AEW, even if they got more popular. Um, so, in a way, this is this is like as high as they could get right now. Um, so yeah. Th- I, uh, I I heard some people fighting. It, were fighting in in the the chat on my live stream about whether or not this was actually a good number or what. But I like I don't know what people expect here. If they expect, well, what is success then? What is what is good enough? Is it you got to be beaten raw? I guess um, maybe we'll see that in September. But it sure didn't happen this week. Raw did a point six four in the demo. Point six four. AEW with its second highest ever, only short of its massive debut. 0.48 to 0.48. We'll see what happens when Monday Night Football starts up again. But um, wrestling uh, is doing all right right now with with ratings. At least in uh, you know maybe maybe uh, this is post SummerSlam. I'm sure it'll it'll be down this week for for Raw. But we'll see. Um, and you got a breakdown here, uh, Brand of the quarter hour uh, on uh, Dynamite as far as what was the most viewed and looking in the P2 plus. The most viewed there was the Lucha Brothers versus Varsity Blondes with the Young Bucks on stage and Andrade promo, and then the Jamie Hader and Red oh, Velvet. The, the most viewed, the most viewed was oh, the first. I'm sorry, it was the opening statement. Was the first quarter, and I think Matt Hardy has quote tweeted my tweet and cut a promo or something with a with a giant injured lip. Um, that my my main takeaway from this um, is that yeah, my fault then misreading that it looks a little higher, so that's why. Is is look at the consecutive loss of viewers after the CM Punk uh, segment uh, in in the last three quarters of the show. I was kind of, I, I was watching the last hour of the, of this. I was just shocked that the show ended sort of as anticlimactically as it did. I was expecting okay, you're gonna put like what's gonna be the main event of this show? Uh, I I jumped in in late and I was like, was is the the Jericho interview that's advertised? Is that gonna be on last? No, that already happened. Uh, we got Malachi Black and Brock Anderson in the final quarter. Okay, there's got to be like a Cody angle here. Cody's going to come out and run in on Malachi Black. No, just Lee Johnson does a run in and, you know, chases Malachi Black away. And that's... Okay, is Cody going to run out from the back though now? And no, no, he didn't. Oh, show's over. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on to you kind of broke down by markets between Dynamite Rampage and Raw. Yeah, so we have we have uh, some information about the eighteen to forty nine live plus same day in what seems to be the top twenty five markets, um, and I think this is a coverage rating. Um, so I, I was told that you could you could look at SmackDown here, and it, we, we're looking at Dynamite, Rampage, and Raw. You could look at SmackDown here, but because this seems to be a coverage rating, uh, Fox, in fact, its numbers measure even lower here. Um, so it's it's not as if oh you're just leaving out SmackDown, um, but in 
just over half of these markets, 13 out of the 25, Raw was more highly rated in 1849 than either Rampage or Dynamite. And when I say Rampage or Dynamite, I mean the CM Punk debut on Rampage and the CM Punk first appearance on Dynamite. August 20th, Rampage. August 25th, Dynamite. Um, the city with the greatest margin for Raw over those two shows is L.A., where Dynamite did a point two, and and Rampage did a point two, and Raw did a one point seven. Nobody in L.A. watching AEW. L.A. L.A. is a WWE town apparently. And you think about it, like AEW has never gone to the West Coast, right? They not. I don't think as far as California. They were in Denver, I believe, or Salt Lake City right before the pandemic. Okay, that yeah, that sounds right. Um, yet on the other hand. West Coast, the the city, the market with the biggest margin for AEW over Raw was Phoenix in Arizona, uh, where Dynamite did a 1.5 demo rating to Raw's 0.7, so basically doubling uh, Raw's demo rating. But Rampage was quite low at about a 0.3. Um, yeah, I mean th- this is on the Patreon, and uh, a a bar chart is on my Twitter. Uh, we could say more about this. But uh, it would just be reciting a lot of numbers that I don't think would make for great audio. But uh, I guess, like, suffice to say, in, in top markets, Raw is still ahead, but but just barely in 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 twenty five top markets. And you could tell Chicago was watching that CM Punk return. Yeah, that's I mean, that's a good point. This Chicago was uh, f- Pittsburgh too was pretty impressive for a margin over. Over WWE, Pittsburgh is is in the top. What is this? One, two, three, four, five, five, six, sixth. And Chicago uh, did a huge rating for uh, Rampage, did a two point oh for Rampage for CM Punk's debut, and did all right for uh, for Dynamite too with a one point three. Do you know what Benzinga is, Golo? Um, I'm assuming it's a stock. Uh, what gave it away? Websites for his articles and stuff. <laughs> The the, the uh, clip I have uh, of all the stock market prices on top. <laughs> yeah, so Benzinga is exactly that. It's a it's a finance publication. Um, they quoted me on this Meltzer. Um, I think that's it. And they 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 pulled some quotes from up from, from things that were already published. I think for for Nick Khan. Um, I'm going to appear on a, on a Benzinga podcast too that I've already recorded in the next few weeks. I think, um, but the headline is. The pro wrestling business is heating up to levels not seen in 20 years. Will it last? Do you agree with that, Cole, that the wrestling business is heating up to levels not seen within the last 20 years? Uh, yeah. I, uh, um, I mean, I think interest. I think you're obviously not really seeing it in the television ratings, I guess. But interest-wise, I think more people are talking about wrestling now than, than they have in a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I guess... Um, Competition is heating up in a way that it's not heated up in the U.S. in 20 years. I think that's what's happening. And for one thing, that's creating a lot of chatter among fans um, that I'm often, that my Twitter account is often at the center of, uh, but uh, we're close to the center. Uh, WWE's never had a, a, a competitor that's this strong, still far behind it in many ways, including revenue. It's behind it by 10 times. But, uh, it's an interesting time, and attendance is doing well. Ticket sales are doing well for WWE at AEW scale. It's doing well for AEW. Uh, it's hard to tell to what extent this is, this is in fact, pent-up demand that will subside in time. Um, 
I think it will subside to some extent, and we'll find out in the next couple months. Um, I think ratings for Raw are going to go down just because it's the NFL. But SmackDown, really throughout this whole year, Raw and SmackDown have not fallen sharply, have not had precipitously falling ratings. Raw and SmackDown have been doing all right uh, as far as ratings go. Um, and if we look, in fact, we look at Raw, uh, Raw has had a sustained increase in ratings with the return of live fans, much, much to the contrary of what my predictions were before the return of live fans in July. In fact, Raw, which is the most stable metric uh, among their TV ratings to, to look at, SmackDown is complicated by the fact that it's moved around to different time slots and different networks over the last six or seven years. But Raw has been in the same time slot on the same network for many, many years. I feel like I say that every other week. But what we have, I, I've, what I've put together here is a year-over-year comparison of ratings, the average rating for each month, going back to the middle of 2020, or 2015. And since October 2017, the comparison for Raw has been negative for every single month. Nope, wait a minute, March 2018. From March 2018, for every single month until May 2021, where it's up 4%. And then in, in August here, now we're up 7% in the, the first full month. Uh, obviously, Raw will, will have one more rating to add to August uh, tomorrow. Uh, but but probably won't make a huge difference to the average. It might come down a little bit because that, that SummerSlam number was so big. Um, but I imagine it'll still end up positive. So uh, Raw ratings are doing pretty well considering what linear television is. And again, once now that Showbiz Daily is back, we will have a, once time goes by, we'll have a little bit more time behind us to compare some wider TV trends to say, okay, TV overall is down this much, or if we take out news, which is this anomaly, TV is down this much, and this is how much Raw or SmackDown are down year over year. In the case of SmackDown, I kind of want to, if we're comparing modern time, SmackDown on Fox, to do year over year comparisons, I kind of want to throw out or discount anything before the move to Fox, which is October 2019. And that October 2019 even includes this massive debut episode that skews the number. And in fact, I think we're looking at medians here, come to think of it. This is it's not average, but it's median. So it sort of accounts for these enormous ratings like SmackDown had in October 2019 or, or SmackDown had in December 2020 with the Christmas NFL lead-in. Um, but anyway, what we see, uh, ever, since Raw has, ever since SmackDown has had a, a, a year of history on Fox and has been able to compare a month to a previous year's same month, uh, which is also on Fox. So that begins uh, October 2020, where it was down 25%. And then November, when it was down 10%. December, it was down 8% from the, the December of the prior year. And it's, and it's negative, 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 negative. Until July of this year, where it's up 8% with the return total of live fans in half of that month. And in August so far, we're, we're, we'll get one more data point added to this on Monday when we get the final rating for this past Friday. But it's up 2%. So what we're seeing here for SmackDown is in this era where we're able to make year-over-year comparisons for SmackDown on Fox, the first two months where that comparison has been positive. So that's a pretty good story for SmackDown. And in fact, it's, it's, uh, it's even stronger in 1849, where in June, it's, it's up 3%. In July, it's up 17%. And in August, it's up 
uh, also the first months that SmackDown has ever had a positive year-over-year comparison. Um, if you want to talk about other wrestling shows, though, AEW Dynamite has been up strongly, up double digits ever since April, since the NXT competition went away, uh, both in total viewership and 18 to 49. Uh, NXT, though, ever since the competition went away, they had two really good months uh, in April and May. You can even say that if you look at 1849, maybe that month wasn't actually so good because it was down 3% in May for 1849. But total viewership was up 18% in April and then up 10% in May. But in June, July, and August, despite not having any AEW competition to go head-to-head with, uh, down 9% total in June, even in July, and down 13%. And we've got all the data here for NXT. Tuesday, actually, no, we don't. Tuesday will be the 31st. We'll get one more data point but down 13% at the moment for August and down 27% in the, in 1849 for August. So yeah, NXT definitely cooling off. Uh, but, but luckily they're going to be repackaged and they've got a new colorful logo and, uh, you know, they're about to turn it around, right? (laughs) Impact. All right. Uh, we'll do impact real quick. So impact, uh, it's hard to talk about impact because the total viewership is smaller. So I think these results that we get from Nielsen, which are based on a sample, are more volatile. Uh, total viewership has been down 30% in July, 29% in, in August. It's been down, it's been negative in, uh, in every month of the year, which is now the first year that we have, uh, a prior year to look at where they were on the same network, which is Axis. Obviously they, they changed their time slot in, uh, in April from Tuesday to Thursday to, not go head to head with NXT, but nonetheless, viewership is down every single month in total viewership. However, 18 to 49, which is an even smaller audience, right? Because it's just not the total audience; it's the 18 to 49 audience, so it's smaller and more volatile. Um, nonetheless, we've got positive comparisons in every month except for July. Um, in some months, those are really big uh, increases. We've got double digits in most months, and somehow triple digits in April, 131 percent increase, I would take that with a grain of salt and, and say that that's affected by volatility of a small sample. But we've got a preponderance of months here. Um, you know, we've got seven out of eight months where it is growing. And I would, I would tend to believe that, that that reflects some sort of real growth in their 18 to 49 audience and some sort of um, diminishing in the age of the viewer, even though uh, when we see the median viewer, the median age viewer for impact, it's, you know, Sometimes it's in the high 50s. I think one week he was even 60. And sometimes it's in the high 40s. But again, just the volatility uh, that a smaller, that a show with a smaller audience is is uh, subject to. Okay. Uh, moving on to an article from uh, sportsgamersonline.com from Mike Straw. Buffalo Zone. Uh, who I've, yeah, I've, I've known Mike for a long time. Um, and uh, he... This is what he reported. Uh, it was revealed on Saturday evening during WWE SummerSlam event that 2K Sports made the decision to delay WWE 2K22 until March 2022. The decision has seen mixed reactions from fans across the internet, but that's not the only place having issues with the delay. Speaking with multiple sources at 2K Sports, developer visual concepts and beyond, there have been quite a few high-level decisions causing concern among the teams. Uh, SGO uh, has learned that there's been infighting regarding the direction of the game. 2K Sports and WWE have been going back and forth on pushing back WWE 
2K22 since almost immediately after the game was announced. Most of those within WWE wanted the game to release in its normal Survivor Series window. Those from 2K Sports and Visual Concepts, on the other hand, pushed hard for a delay of the launch. One of the reasons given to us was the sheer amount of releases over the past year. The team has been working on scanning wrestlers and building new character models pretty much from the ground up, while a number of superstars built were on the release list. Yeah, by release they mean talent releases, not like game releases. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one source even said that this is shaping up to be the most outdated roster a game has seen. The game is expected to include a large amount of wrestlers who are no longer with WWE, but the March release window now gives them time to adjust with removing wrestlers and adding new ones WWE may want. The roster cuts aren't just the only point of contact between the parties. With the uh, miserable release that was WWE 2K20, WWE has apparently been more difficult to deal with during this development cycle. Uh, WWE has made it known that they want a better product this time around, despite still making record uh, profits. The largest wrestling company uh, in the world uh, lost quite a bit due to the poor launch and reception surrounding WWE 2K20. Things got really bad when it reached a point where refunds were starting to be issued. Uh, so there was a moving on here. There was a lot of talk whether it may be time for a split between the parties. 2K Sports has been the publisher of WWE video games since taking over THQ in 2013 as part of the former studio's closure. However, after years of working with Ukes as the developer of the series, Visual Concepts took over solely for WWE 2K20. Who's working with Ukes now? now uh, after oh, uh, that's uh, AEW's working with Ukes, aren't they? That's right. Yeah. Uh, fast forward to early 2020, uh, while WWE and Take-Two Interactive, the parent company of 2K Sports, were having multiple meetings over the future, the Stanford-based company did hang other publishers out as far as possible future partners. It was like threats to cancel cable, one person said. Threats would come out with them claiming to have interest from one company here or there. I don't know how credible that was, though, or just out of threats. The last extension of the agreement was made in 2016, though no terms have been disclosed other than it was a multi-year deal. Uh, rumors had it to be six to seven years with WWE 2K22. Uh, WWE has made it known almost annoyingly, so how much that this game means to the future of the franchise. To put it bluntly, it could be the end if it fails both critically and commercially again. Um, and so, uh, all right here. So, uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, with the extra pressure during the build, the development team of Visual Concepts already pinched, underfunded, and understats compared the past to uh, have openly, uh, I'm sorry, have openly been angry. Uh, it's just a fun place to be, one source said. Second guessing happens constantly because of desperation to get things right. I'm sorry, it just hasn't been a fun place to be. Sorry. Uh, the one bright spot, many said, is that ultimately got the delay for WWE 2K22. With many of the game's elements being built from the ground up, it makes things less hectic, especially for some major new additions to the series. We are fans and gamers like everyone out there. One developer said, we are doing everything we possibly can to make the wrestling game fans want. From modes to how it feels in a ring, we want this to be the wrestling fans' wrestling game. With everything going on behind the scenes, however, I had to look into the possibility of WWE getting out of the deal with Take-Two sooner than the expiration. It wouldn't take as much as people would assume they said. That's how bad it's been. But one great game and fan response could turn th turn things around. Yes. So a lot there uh, between the tumultuous relationship, it looks like, between Take-Two Interactive and WWE. And I always wonder now with Nick Khan there if EA Sports would exactly. be somebody that WWE would be interested in because of 
that brand, and and I'm sure Nick Khan thinks of that brand very highly. Has EA Sports ever done a wrestling game? Well, maybe while you look that up. Um, the, the, no, I no, I. I mean, off the top of my head, I can tell you no. Did, didn't they do like a WCW I mean, game look. though, or or something like that? Um, but, oh, you know, maybe they did the backstage assault one. But anyway, the, so so the surprise here is that W the, the next W2K game is not coming out this fall, as it was revealed during the SummerSlam broadcast in a, in a trailer or an advertisement. It's coming out in March of next year, uh, which which is not the usual schedule. Usually, they like to put it out in the fall. And then it's ready for for holiday uh, purchases, but not the case. And uh, Mike Mike Straw did a, a nice job here finding out what's happening. And uh, it's not that surprising, maybe that you know, I, WWE's received a lot of bad reviews for its game lately in the last couple of years. And they've they've done alternatives. They've done the arcade game and Battlegrounds. And uh, if this is the end of the term, which it sounds like maybe it is, uh, if it was renewed last time in 2016 and it was a six seven year deal, we're probably coming to nearly the end of the deal, and this is a deal, like many other deals, that uh, the current management has inherited from its predecessors, and you could see how the dealmaker, Nick Khan, could feel like, I can make a better deal than this, you know. So has EA Sports ever done a wrestling game? Yeah, uh, so they have. You're right. WCW Mayhem and Backstage Assault, they, both games were not with uh, high uh, praise, but it was a long time ago, <laughs> over 20 years is WCW Mayhem the one where, where Kevin Nash is like, Don't pick me. You haven't got the dexterity or the something or other. Go go pick Hogan. Is that that one? I think that's Nitro. Because Nitro had the really bad vignettes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Anyway. I think I did have Mayhem, though. I did play that on the PlayStation. Um, My favorite was Thunder, because you could put in cheat codes, and you unlocked the most ridiculous characters from, like, uh, you would get like uh, Doug Dillinger was a character, right? But then you could unlock a prey mantis, like a legit just giant prey mantis, which is you can use. So ho- hopefully more of that to come someday, <laughs> if W makes a deal with EA Sports. Um, but speaking of deals, we recently got a new sponsor, Brandon, and it's our good friends at HelloFresh. Yeah, and uh, here's the big thing with HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients, and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it is America's number one meal kit. But wait a minute. Uh, wait a minute, Colo. We're, we're, we're both vegan. Do they have vegan options, though? Oh, absolutely. I can tell you that I actually uh, recently had the chickpea-powered couscous. A lot of protein and a lot of delicious flavor. Also, they got great items like the roasted veggie caprese bowls that are delicious and truffled mushroom flatbreads, which are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and I was talking, you know, the seasonal ingredients. Here's the thing, Brandon, with the fall harvest is officially on with HelloFresh. You can count on seasonal recipes like pumpkin cinnamon rolls and friends giving ready sides, as well as fresh, high quality ingredients that travel from the farm to your front door in less than a week. But, but wait a minute. I just spent a ton of money on, on LASIK surgery. I'm a little bit broke right now. Is, am I going to be able to afford this? Oh, absolutely you can afford this. And I'll tell you how you can actually uh, get four, up to 14 free meals. That's right, folks. Up to 14 free meals. If you go to HelloFresh.com, 14 free meals. you got to go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW14. That is important. And use the code VOW14 for up to 14 free meals, including, here, here's the thing, Brandon, free shipping. 
if I go Sorry. to if I go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW14, as in Voices of Wrestling, you get 14 free meals. That's how it works? Uh, that is absolutely how it works. Here's the great thing about HelloFresh. They are America's number one meal kit. So once again, I want to thank our good friends at HelloFresh for helping sponsoring the network and the podcast. All right. Uh, moving on to a statement from the United States Tennis Association as far as proof of vaccination to enter the U.S. Open. And that is important. Why, Brandon? Because that will be the home of the August 22nd episode of Dynamite. Yes, the U.S. Open is uh, underway right now, ending on September 12th uh, at Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens. It's where Dynamite's going to run on September 22nd. It's when many people speculate Brian Danielson will debut in AEW. Uh, not clear if this will affect the AEW event. Uh, I have sent an email to the press office at the mayor's office in New York City. I've not heard back. Uh, I'll check my email, but I don't think I have heard back. Um, no, I haven't. So we'll see what happens. Um, if there will be vaccinations required, we know that in at Madison Square Garden for WWE's show there in September, vaccinations are required. So, uh, I wonder if vaccinations will be required for the Arthur Ashe show. I mean, I don't, I don't anticipate COVID uh, the spike going down by September 22nd. Uh, if we look at some of the stats here I've included in the slides, where in the U.S., uh, deaths are, are climbing back up as of the 27th. The, the rolling average was over 1,200 deaths per day uh, related to COVID, uh, which is sort of on the uh, really comparable to where the summer spike was, I guess, last year, or even higher. Uh, so and it's trending upward. It's not trending downward yet. So uh, we'll see what happens. But um, speaking of which, are you uh, Are you planning on going on the Jericho cruise this October? Uh, on the Jericho cruise? No. Uh, unfortunately, uh, October is a very, very heavily booked month for me. And that's also during my anniversary. And I think asking my wife to go on the Chris Jericho cruise for our fourth year wedding anniversary May not go well in this household as they're not being a wrestling fan. <laughs> but Jericho's doing um, Jericho's doing his cruise from October 21st to October 25th uh, in Miami and Grand Bahama Island. And if you look at the the Jericho Cruise website, which I guess this is this is branded as Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea. This is uh, I think this is the, the third time he'll be doing this, or the second time. You know, I think the third one, but the second time there's like wrestling. Maybe there was wrestling the first time. There's there's definitely matches, and there's been matches before. But if you go to to the official website for for the cruise, you will find their safety guidelines. Uh, so Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings is is the cruise company apparently that is that is you know that is sailing the the cruise, and you'll find in here where it says vaccines combined with multi layered and robust preventative health and safety measures including universal COVID-19 testing prior to embarkation will help us provide a uniquely safe and healthy environment. I mean, you're going to put, I don't know how many people are, I don't know how many tickets they've, they've gotten inventory here, but hundreds at least, hundreds of people here on a boat uh, together. So they're doing COVID testing before embarkation. And each guest must submit proof that they have completed the full cycle of required doses for the vaccine administered at least two weeks prior to their sale date. Guests who are not old enough to be vaccinated will not be allowed in these sailings. So everybody on the Jericho cruise has got to show proof of vaccination 
and that and that 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 vaccination has been completed two weeks prior to when is this um october twenty first so uh so luckily everybody who's who's on the Jericho cruise is going to be vaccinated anyway in uh around the time of of Arthur Ashe if they're not vaccinated already and uh just to kind of tie this into covid concerns uh you you know we just talked about the press release from the USDA uh there was reported this weekend uh, from Body Slam I think Cassidy Haynes that AEW is looking to move up the debut of Daniel Bryan to possibly all out Due oh, really? to concerns, oh really? Uh, uh, that there be more COVID restrictions for Arthur Ashe. So, okay. interesting. Uh, um, quickly, Peacock. So yeah. Quickly, uh, quickly, Peacock. The the Peacock archive, despite frantic concern earlier this year that the W Network archive would never be seen again once it moved off of the standalone W Network to Peacock. Um, all the old stuff, or at least. What is it? 99.5%. This is as of last week. It might have increased since then. I don't know. 99.5% of the in-ring archive, which is where most of the, the non-WB and old WF stuff is. That is all on the Peacock. Good luck finding it. Not, not saying it's going to be easy to find, but it's there. Uh, according to the spreadsheet that the Twitter account WB Peacockery has been keeping, tracking all of the content that is over on Peacock. And what, and how much of that content has moved over that was present on the W network? Um, overall, uh, at least as of last week, uh, 92.5% of it that was on the old network is now on the Peacock. Uh, what's not on the Peacock is the hidden gems. Less than 2% of the hidden gems are on the Peacock as of my last count. Uh, so maybe that stuff will make its way over. Maybe it never will. That, that, that does include one of my favorite matches of all time between Ric Flair and Barry Windham from January 1987 with Dusty Rhodes on the commentary. That was a hidden gem. Uh, it was originally released uh, as part of the first Ric Flair DVD set. But that's not on there. Uh, but maybe you can find that. The Battle of Atlanta. Battle uh, of Atlanta. Gems too, and I don't think that's on there, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, Reddit. Do you, do you spend time on Reddit, Gullo? Uh, if you're looking up something that Google can answer, you can sometimes find the answer on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just give an example, um, you know, so I wanted to find out how many Buffalo Bill themed beers there are. <laughs> and, and, and somebody on Reddit made a whole list of every Buffalo Bill themed beer. And you could find things like that if you're curious and sometimes Google just won't give you that straight answer. Somebody at Reddit will have compiled a list. Is there a, a Bill's subreddit? Bill's Mafia or something? Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Are you a mod? Are you a mod on the, on the Bill's Mafia subreddit? I am not. I, I haven't delved into. I don't never post it on Reddit. I've read stuff on Reddit. No pun intended. But um, you have you have Bill's season tickets, right? Yes. Yep. Season tickets. So, Bill's when when does the NFL season start? In two weeks, regular season. Uh, yes, September twelfth. I can tell you, I attended a preseason game yesterday. Uh, there's supposed to be New York State mandates where indoors people have to wear masks. So. The way the Buffalo Bills said it was the concourse and in the Bills store and all that. Now, I didn't go in the Bills store. I would assume they were enforcing in the Bills store. But I can tell you that they were not enforcing it at all in the concourse mm-hmm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, uh, what's, so. the, what's the latest with Cole Beasley? Still not vaccinated, and he got suspended for uh, not being vaccinated. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, because he was... 
ended up on the COVID protocol because he was like with somebody that I, I think tested positive. I don't really know, but he was on the COVID protocol. And then the, when you go on the COVID protocol and you're not vaccinated, you get fined. Okay. Um, so another player got fined. And then the next day put on tw- Twitter a picture of his first vaccination shot. <laughs> Back off the mic a little bit. Um, oh. So. Yeah, Isaiah McKenzie got fined, and he put, the next day, he went he went and got his first vaccination shot. So, now that we've, we've only been recording this together since March, which is not the NFL season, uh, yes. you're, going to, you're going to be going to Bill's games every Sunday. Uh, well, not every Sunday, obviously. Only half of the, half of the Sundays in the, in, the, in the NFL season. You're going to be going to Bill's games. Are they all Sunday games? Is, are there, is there a Monday night football game? Is it Thursday night? Um, home games are mostly Sundays except for one Monday night game. Um, now, during away games. Most home games are one. I'm, I'm guessing it will not be permissible to record during away games. Is that correct? We'll make it work. Maybe we do an 11 o'clock recording yeah. or something yes. Yes. like that. Yeah, okay. Um, but anyway, do you go on the, on the subreddit squared circle ever? I, I have seen stuff on there, yes. Yes. Um, so how many people are really – so Reddit squared circle did a, a another census – for the third consecutive year, they did one in 2017 too, which was um, a little bit different. Um, but for the third year in a row, very similar questions have been asked. Some, some of the questions, some questions have been added and subtracted, but these are pretty comparable surveys. Um, and we've had we had one in 2019, 2020, and 2021. Sample size is pretty strong. Uh, sample size this year was. 9,504. Year before that, 8,837. Year before that, 8,475. And in the 2017, that we're probably not going to talk much about, it was, it was over 8,600. So this year, this year it was bigger than, than any year prior by, by hundreds. Um, that's a pretty strong sample. How big is this population? Um, Squared Circle on August 22nd tweeted a screenshot from what looks to be their analytics of, of the unique visits that they got. Um, this was, I think, largely to show how much the CM Punk return was coinciding with, with traffic, where um, the day after, in GMT time, uh, on August 21st, they did 380,000 uniques, unique visits. Um, that was obviously abnormal. Uh, in the days before, though, they were doing somewhere in the range of 164 to 180,000 unique visits. So think about how many people, this is global, obviously, but how many people are visiting this? Is this, because I know we're going to go through the, a, a quick summary of some of the results of the survey and the trends that we're seeing through them. So I know what, what, what some people will, will freak out and be like, well, these are just internet marks who don't matter. Um, to get an idea, this is over a hundred thousand people who go to this this Reddit um, on a, on a daily basis. Um, I don't know what you would qualify as a regular viewer, or maybe a month, monthly active, or daily or weekly active viewer. I don't know, but but this appears to be well in excess of a hundred thousand people worldwide. Not granted, Ron SmackDown are watched by roughly two million people, so that's less than what a twentieth of that. How online are is the average WWE viewer or fan? However, one might define that. I don't know, but uh, I don't think this is insignificant. Um, and the longer you say things that people on the internet think don't matter, the more wrong you will be over time. Uh, that said, 
maybe this uh, certainly this this represents a disproportionately hardcore fan, you might say. With that said, what we find here, uh, one of the questions that they asked in each of the three years, 1918 and 20, or I'm sorry, 19, 20, and 21, is you know how often do you watch Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views, NXT, Dynamite, AW pay-per-views, New Japan, and Impact? And there's a variety of responses that you can respond with, um, including, no, I don't watch or follow it. No, I don't watch it regularly, but I keep up with the news and storylines. Yes, I watch it occasionally. Yes, I watch it regularly. Um, and for some of the some of these, there's four options. For some of these, there's five options. Which the varieties of no responses sort of I think are a measure of engagement. There's a, a highly disengaged no response, which is no, I don't watch it regularly. There's a no, I don't watch it regularly, but I try to keep up with the news and the storylines, which is sort of engaged but not really fully, not really watching it. And then you've got, yes, I watch it later, but not live. Yes, I occasionally watch it, but sometimes I watch it live, but sometimes not. And then, yes, I regularly watch it live. So it's just sort of a, a gradation of engagement here. Uh, but what I did was I went through these responses, and I just put all the yes responses together and put all the no responses together and, uh, and, and, and looked at, so what do we get in, in any form of a yes, I watch it response? And what we see for, let's start with Raw, is in 2019, 42%, even if you think these are marks who don't matter, 42% of them were saying that they watched it regularly, which was lower in 2020, and now it's down to 17% in 2021. It was, it was at 42, and now it's down to 17. Um, so that's, that's, that's fallen in half, uh, more than in half, uh, more than a 50% decrease for Raw. Um, SmackDown was at 50% in 2019. Remember, this is pre-pandemic, so if, I, it's, it's not just a pandemic thing here, uh, at least it, in terms of, uh, it, this is not a question that was asked in 2020. It was asked in 2019 before the pandemic, uh, 50% watch SmackDown in some form. Um, 28% now watch SmackDown pay-per-views for main roster pay-per-views. 81% were watching pay-per-views. 53% are now watching pay-per-views. Uh, all the W stuff is down across the board. NXT, 40%, now down to 23%. Um, takeovers were at 79%, now down to 44%. Uh, New Japan is down too, at 31%, and now down to 22%. Impact is actually up a little bit. which is, It's the lowest on this chart here, at 9% in 2019, now up to 12% in 2021. And... Uh, other than impact with its, with its uh, minor growth, but on its scale, kind of strong. Uh, the only other two programs here that have actually increased their, their responses of yes, I watch it in some form is AW Dynamite and AW Pay-Per-Views. AW Dynamite going from 61% in 2020. There was no measurement in 2019 because, um, this was taken in, the survey in 2019 was given in the middle of 2019 before Dynamite had debuted. Um, the pay-per-view question was not asked in 2019 either. Uh, AW obviously launched in 2019. Um, but in 2020, Dynamite was at 61%. And, uh, I'm sorry, was at 60% in 2020, now up to 70%. So Dynamite responses of yes, I watch it in some form has actually grown. Pay-per-views have grown too from 61% to 68%. Um, we could debate all day about what to take from this. But uh, the highly engaged fan is less engaged with WWE and more engaged with AEW. 
All right. With that here, anything else you want to touch on before we wrap things up? Not, not really. I think that's all. Plugs. All right. If you want to start with plugs. You can go to YouTube and find the WrestleLongs YouTube channel. Just search for YouTube in your YouTube search, which I believe is the second most used search engine in the world, maybe. But uh, I'm, I think I'm now committing to doing a live stream public for everybody. It's not, not, a, not a Patreon thing. Anybody can watch this as we try to, uh, to build the YouTube audience. Um, you know what happened last, last time, Gullo? I was, I was having some internet issues. So I use uh, Python, which is a programming language, and I run these scripts yeah. to like automatically grab data off of the internet in various ways. And with my home internet, for some reason, the good folks at Spectrum don't give me a consistent internet connection. Uh, so if I run a script that connects to the internet, there's just enough intermittence that the script dies. So I have to connect to my hotspot on my phone. And uh, so I, I was doing that Thursday afternoon to grab the data, the TV viewership data from Showbuzz. And um, I forgot to connect back to the, to the regular internet, to my home internet. So I started the stream, and there's a limit on my hotspot per month. I started the stream, and then like 20 minutes into the stream, I had reached my limit to where it downgrades my speed. So the, the stream did not perform very well. So that's what happened there. I apologize if you were, if you were watching the stream. I realized after the fact that, that was, that's what happened, and that's why the stream sort of fell apart. Um, but yeah, anyway, I've now made a checklist for myself of things that I need to remember to do before I start the stream, and one of them is to ensure that I'm connected to the proper Internet connection. So anyway, every Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern, live TV ratings talk, talking about the latest TV ratings just after the dynamite number has been published. Uh, I think I'm going to be doing that every Thursday for uh, 30 to 60 minutes, something like that, on the WrestleNomics YouTube channel. So please go like some videos, go subscribe to YouTube as we try to build up that channel. Um, you can go to WrestleNomics on Patreon at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics, where for $5 a month you need access to all of our locked posts, including the TV ratings reports that come out nearly every weekday, plus primary research and original reporting. we got a new month coming up where I'll be coming out with some Google web search research about various brands and hundreds of people in the wrestling uh, business, hundreds of personalities. Where do they, how do they compare and how do they rank? Uh, you also get access to the WrestleNomics viewership spreadsheet, which contains over 15,000 data points, including dozens of graphs, charts, etc. It's the spreadsheet that I use and update every day. I'm in it every day, uh, keeping that data up to date and helping me understand what the trends are in wrestling television viewership. And occasionally we do some breaking news podcasts, including uh, we'll do a quarterly uh, W earnings podcast right after the quarterly uh, earnings call. And we do uh, whenever there's massive news in the world of wrestling business. Usually I say, hey, Gull, you want to do a podcast today? And that's once in a while. So you can also follow me on Twitter at, well, you do your plugs. I guess I wait to do that one at the end. Yeah. All right, so, uh, I mean, you can find me, Chris Gello, at Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter, just Chris Gello. Uh, and then uh, also, too, you can check out my other podcast, Rediscovering the Indies, the RTI pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, Rediscovering the Indies. Uh, yeah, we uh, just launched our new episode last week on the NWA from 2007 to 2017 as far as the NWA title. But we talk a lot of business of the nwa and uh we will actually uh that's gonna be a multi-part but if you want to catch part one catch it out it's available on spotify uh apple Podcasts, and more but uh 
fascinating stuff. Do you know in 2007, when he was still under contract, Ric Flair was verbally agreeing with the NWA to make appearances. <laughs> Obviously, that got squashed by WWE. Wow. Uh, but uh, they also they created NWA Mexico, even though CMLO had NWA titles, and instead of trying to do business with them, they just started NWA Mexico. That uh, and it dropped very quickly uh, after the first show. Uh, and then uh, we also talk about the, the NWA TV deal with Colors, which was a Dish Network TV deal in the, in the 9,000s. Uh, the Phillips Arena show that only sold 2,000 seats. Uh, Sid was the big draw. Uh, and uh, so much more goodness of the transition from TNA to the board of directors with Bob Trobich. And we'll eventually get into the Bruce Darbera and all that fun stuff. Okay. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston and uh, at WrestleNomics. And I'm Brandon Thurston. I'm Chris Gill. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.